Today on Ag News Daily. They weren't really making a lot of money doing um, uh, the dairy they are losing and they were um, breaking even basically is what was happening. Um, with the background of being teachers, they decided that uh, they put in a small little pumpkin pat. Good afternoon and happy Wednesday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how's your Wednesday going? Oh, it's pretty good, Ashton. And today is officially the first day of fall. So really, I couldn't ask for a better day. I don't think I could either. It's pretty cool again in the 70s here. Very excited to see what this fall season is going to bring for sure. I think we're probably kind of beating a dead horse here talking about how much we love the lady. I'm sure <laughs> our are getting a little annoyed at this point, but I really can't help myself. That's true. And today's episode is going to be fall focused, Ashton. It certainly is, Delaney. We are going to be talking about pumpkins, apple orchards, a fall festival, all kinds of neat things. So folks will have to tune in to hear a little bit more about that. But as for right now, Delaney, we need to talk about some news. And I have a follow-up from the CO2 story that I talked about last week. Or I say last week. I think it might have been on Monday. I don't even remember. But I, I get so bad about tracking my days. But I know that I did share a story about Britain and warning about a crisis over CO2 supply and how that can affect their food industry. And today, Britain warned its food producers to prepare for a 400% rise in carbon dioxide prices after paying tens of millions of pounds to get CF fertilizers to restart production in a deal that will last for three weeks. This deal buys Britain some time to secure suppliers from other sources as it seeks to prevent the shutdown on production of a wide range of food and drinks. So they're putting a little bit of a plan together. Like I said, this isn't the first time this has happened. So they, I guess they don't really know what they're doing, but they do have a plan in place for at least the next three weeks. Well, good news there for those folks, because uh, it's a little scary. <laughs> It is a little bit scary, Delaney, but they have a plan. So hopefully they can figure things out in the next three weeks. But I mean, it's going to cost a lot of money. They That deal was, you know, tens of millions of pounds. I don't know what that equates to from U.S. dollars, but there's also going to be a about a 400% rise in the cost of CO2. So it's a pretty expensive deal. Yeah, it certainly sounds a little costly there, Nash, and I'm glad that's a good segue for me here because the other thing that's been pretty costly lately has been fertilizer prices. We've seen potash prices rise significantly this month compared to last, while the average retail price of DAP reached a 10-year high, according to prices tracked by DTN for the second week of September 2021. Potash was 6% higher compared to last month, with the average fertilizer price sitting at 5 $598 per ton. Four fertilizers have had price increases of about 3% compared to last month, including MAP, DAP, and UAN, as expensive as $700, almost $800 a ton. So input prices, input costs are skyrocketing significantly, but more specifically, fertilizer prices are Ashton. And I think this is going to make some interesting Twitter discussions. I've already seen some trickles of that on Twitter as folks are preparing for next year's crop already, hard to believe. But with a lot of farmers, I know that lock in you know, some of those input costs a year, maybe too early. This is not the year to do that. 
Well, Delaney, I want to move on here and talk about some news coming from the EPA as the agency is proposing big cuts to the nation's biofuel blending requirements for the years 2020, 2021, and 2022, according to a document that was seen by Reuters in a move that is sure to anger farmers and biofuel producers. The proposal is a win of sorts for the oil industry, which argued for the cuts due to an overall slowdown in fuel demand during the pandemic. But the EPA did not comment for the story, but administration officials cautioned that numbers are not final and still subject to revisions before clearing an interagency review process. And like I said there, Delaney, this is all according to a document that was seen by Reuters. These are leaked numbers. I don't have any, you know, numbers handy or anything like that. But, you know, like the EPA said, this is a caution that these numbers are not final. So we're still going to see something sometime. But what those numbers are really going to be, I'm not so sure of yet. That's true, Ashton. And it's uh, things like this get quote unquote leaked Frequently, so I suppose I'm not super surprised by this. Yeah, I I think I'm right there with you. I don't have a whole lot to add to that. Just kind of some suspicion. You know, these leaked things don't always turn out to be true. So we're going to have to keep our eyes and ears peeled out to see when these numbers are official. But that's really all of right now. Fantastic. Well, Ashton, I've got a quick follow up here to a story I commented on yesterday dealing with African swine fever, of course, that newest case, newest outbreak, I should say, has been officially reported in Haiti. And I failed to mention yesterday that as a precaution, APHIS has officially halted all movement of swine and swine products into the mainland U.S. from Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands, even though no cases have been detected in detected in those territories, but pork and pork products from Haiti and the Dominican Republic are not allowed into the U.S., and we're seeing other countries follow suit there. So it is still concerning because we still have, of course, visitors coming in and out of those areas, but no pork products are being allowed in at this point in time. I saw that as well, Delaney, and I'm glad that you brought that to our attention. I don't have a whole lot to add to that, and I'm all out of news for the day, so I'm ready to hop into the markets whenever you are. Fantastic. And actually, I should have mentioned this story when you were talking about the renewable fuels industry, Ashton, but Vietnam's agricultural ministry officials will meet with the U.S. Grains Council on September 22nd in Washington, D.C. to sign a memorandum of understanding to foster Vietnam's feed sector and production and use of biofuels in the country and to increase Vietnam's overall market for American products. So a little move there forward and really probably one of the first pieces of trade-related news I've seen here since we've really been through the Biden administration. Well, Delaney, as I mentioned earlier, I don't have anything else to chat about today. A little bit of a slower news day here, so I'm ready to see where markets ended for the day. Fantastic, Ashton. Let me pull those up here because we did see 
be today on this Wednesday, I almost said Thursday afternoon, we saw some strength today finally in the grain markets. And actually, that does lead me to one other piece of news I failed to mention, Ashton, and that is a little bit of a market impact today. I think we're starting to see yields rolling out of the field. And one of the reasons we're maybe seeing a little strength today is because of some indications of disease that is striking corn, more specifically a fungus known as tar spot disease has been popping up in quite a few cornfields across the country, specifically in the Midwest. And that has helped support markets today with the fear that perhaps yields are not going to be there across the country. Um, Ashton, apparently tar spot is identified by small raised black dots on the outer leaf of the corn crop and can be pretty damaging throughout different phases of reproduction and can accelerate kernel growth to shorten kernel depth and in turn, of course, pull back on yield. But this wet season has been kind of the finger pointer as to why we've been seeing this tar spot disease. And of course, there are always other factors at play, but that one does seem yields concerns there do seem to have their play today in the corn markets, which helped to pull up all other markets alongside it. December corn up eight and a half cents today to close at 525 and a half. The March up eight cents to close at 533. In the soybean pits today, the November contract up eight and three quarters cents to close at 1282 and three quarters. The January up nine cents to close at 1291 and three quarters. Chicago wheat higher today as the December contract up 15 and a half cents to close at 705 and three quarters. The March up 15 15 cents to close at 716 on the nose. And hopping over into the livestock pits today, Ashen, we saw strength in the cattle complex as the October live cattle contract added 82 and a half cents to close at 123.27 and a half. The December up 75 cents to close at 128.55. And in feeder cattle today, we saw that strength continue as the October contract added a dollar oh five to close at one fifty seven sixty seven and a half. The November up a dollar twenty seven and a half to close at one fifty eight twenty two and a half. And hopping into the lean hog markets today, that strength did not carry over. The October lean hog contract closed 52.5 cents lower and at 83.85. The December down 22.5 cents to close at 73.37 and a half. And lastly, Ashen wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. The October contract down three cents today to close at 17.39. The November down 17 cents to close at 16.98. Ashen, without further ado, let's kick it over to today's fall themed episode. Well, for our fall-themed episode today, we are talking to Nate Krause, who is the owner of Swan's Trail Farms. Nate, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thanks for having me. So as we welcome in the fall season, of course, when you think of fall, you think of pumpkins, apple picking, fall festivals, those kinds of things, which are all what you guys have at Swan's Trail Farms. So why don't you, before we get into that, just introduce yourself and how you really got involved here with Swan's Trail. Um, so, um, I am the second generation farmer here. My parents, uh, Ben and Carol Krause, um, bought the farm as a dairy farm and, um, back in 1984, uh, they're both teachers and, uh, my dad, uh, had very little experience in the dairy industry. He worked in high school as a, on a farm and, uh, he bought the farm with about, um, I'd say a hundred and, um, 60 acres and then they milked about 300 
uh, uh, 200 cows right around there. And uh, as everyone knows, the dairy industry is uh, not the easiest. And we've seen, you know, a lot of the farms go um, out. And so uh, they started um, over about 13 years of dairy cows. They started noticing that they weren't really making a lot of money doing um uh, the dairy they're losing and they were, um, breaking even basically is what was happening. Um, with the background of being teachers, they decided that, uh, they put in a small little pumpkin patch. Um, it was about two acres. Uh, and, and about two years, those, that pumpkin patch that they started, uh, started paying for the cows to be on our farm. And so it was an easy transition, uh, for us to decide, you know, we need to start working with, um, the public rather than, uh, people rather than cows. And so, um, my dad put in, a um, the Washington state corn maze back in 1997, which was one of the very first corn mazes, uh, in the shape of, of pretty much anything. He was right on, I think 1996 was the very first corn maze. And he was one of the very first to put it in the shape of anything. So it was the Washington state corn maze. And so everything, um, uh, you know, it's just like you're inside the the state of Washington, all your roads, all your cities, all your major, uh, um, um, you know, uh, attractions like the space needle and grand Coulee dam and all those things are in there. And within that, there's a story for each one of these places, which coincided with the uh, schools, which were, they were teachers. And so we started having school groups come out and, um, from there, it just kind of, um, kind of took off from there. So 1997, we got rid of the cows. Okay. So you guys got rid of the cows, but I think it's really neat because you touched on a lot of things that I want to touch on today, Nate, because you mentioned that you guys diversify and we'll get to that here. But I think what's really cool too, is I'm from Iowa. So me not being super familiar with Washington agriculture. We always talk about Washington being a big state for apples, but not necessarily for pumpkins. So tell us a little bit more about the agricultural makeup of the state of Washington. So um, the Washington state is uh, basically you have two sides. It could be two different states. Um, honestly, the, 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 the Puget Sound area where we're at is a, a very... Um, kind of a it's a it's a lot of greenage a lot of you know there's it's very um urbanized um and then you have the mountains which is the cascade mountains and then on the other side you have eastern washington now eastern washington is where they grow everything it's uh it's got the right climate uh apples that's where all the apples are um and and so that's basically kind of the look we're located about, uh, I'd say about 40 minutes north of Seattle. Um, I-5 is the big road that runs up and down um, um, our state, um, north and south. And uh, we're the very first rural area you hit off of the I-5, which makes, um, uh, which makes it, you know, what we do, um, diversification is, is it, we can get people. We have a big population base to draw from. So that's kind of how the whole makeup of the state is. And Nate, to ask a follow-up question there, you know, you mentioned diversification, but your family literally went through that process. As you mentioned, the pumpkin patch slash apple orchard was a way to ensure that your family was able to continue doing that. I, I know that was maybe before your time, or maybe you were just a kid when that was going on, but I'm sure you guys have continued to diversify as you've moved through the years. How do you go about deciding what that next step is? and to kind of get over the hump of diversification. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. 
Um, I was a, I, I, I was a, um, a freshman in college when this whole thing happened. So I was involved with the farm, um, back then as well. And, and to decide on the decision on diversification, I'll give you an example. Um, just our most recent, recent one, we do weddings and, uh, corporate picnics. Um, we, uh, we, back when we first started it, we would do, you know, a, a fair number of, of weddings. Um, and then, uh, corporate picnics, we would do a fair number as well. Um, when, uh, as, as things kind of change in, 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 in wedding industry, it's changed with more wedding venues near us and, and more, uh, um, uh, you know, just more places to go. Barn weddings are kind of falling out. Um, we had to kind of start looking and say, you know, what's going to be something that's a little bit more stable that can make up for that profit. And so what we did was, is we, we don't have anything going on here in the spring. So we decided to go ahead and plant strawberries. And then, so we diversified from what we're doing now, we're actually changing and we're moving more towards, um, uh, you know, the you pick, uh, you know, strawberries, crops, and that sort of thing um, seems to be what people are wanting now. So Nate, you guys are also having the fall festival and it's really just kind of kicking off here as we're welcoming fall kind of, you know, right now, I mean, today's the first day of fall. So what are some things that people can expect at Swan Swan's Trail this season? Um, so we start, we kicked off with our Honeycrisp Apple Festival. Um, we, uh, we grow right around, um, 4,000 trees in a high density orchard, which means it's, um, uh, it's, it, the, it's, it's in a, tall spindle system if 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 you know what that uh, is it's basically you put a lot of trees in a small amount of space um and so um we don't have a lot of we don't have the acreage that um you know some of these bigger you know uh, uh farms have and so we've decided to go this route but we kicked off with that um and then we believe it or not we have um some cosmic crisp i don't know if you know that's the new apple you can only grow in washington state and it's the there's a lot of hype around it um and so it was developed at washington state university it took 20 years to develop and uh there's like 10 years where you can't grow them anywhere else and so we were lucky enough to get some trees about three years ago and so we um we were able to open up those without really telling anybody um, about it until they kind of got there, but we had to make sure that the, you know, the starch content was good and it was a, it was a good apple to pick. Um, so that's what we're kind of doing. That was our first weekend. And then, um, as we kind of roll into this next weekend, we still have the U pick apples and then we have, um, the U pick pumpkins. And then along with that, we have, uh, activities such as um the cow trains zip lines jumping pillows uh, a number of different slides we do um uniquely we do um a live duck race i know it sounds kind of funny but we do a live duck race where they it's our old feed bunker and we just filled it with water and sealed it up and uh we let ducks race down the we train them to race down the the waterway uh, it's about a hundred 100 foot race and then um we do a pig show with live pigs it's the story of the three little pigs and they uh, uh we narrate the whole thing with all, and we have houses and brick houses and all that so kind of a fun thing and people really look look forward uh, to seeing wagon ride 
rides, um, just a, a number of different different things that we do. Um, and then we also have food, which is um, a, a really, we found that people come out for sometimes just the food. Apple cider donuts are obviously a big hit, but we have a bakery uh, with pies and rolls and uh, um, all kinds of different you know, food items, fries, and we dip our own hot, homemade um, corn dogs and, and that sort of stuff. So that's- yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what, and, and then as we, and then as we roll into the rest of the, the year, once the apples are all picked out, we'll, we'll, we'll go into the pumpkins and that's when the school field trips come out. Now schools with COVID, you know, obviously that's gone down a lot, but, um, they'll, they, we have some schools that come out and they get their pumpkin and, and, uh, and then we have obviously the general public comes out too. So, yeah. That's really awesome. I wish that I didn't yeah. live in Iowa because I would love to see the duck race, especially that sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I yeah. love that. It sounds like you're really getting to kind of fill that gap. You know, we talk a lot in agriculture about being advocates, not to use that word cliche, but um, it just sounds like you guys have a really cool operation going on. You're able to connect with people that maybe don't understand agriculture and show them a different side. So really neat stuff, what you're doing there, Nate, certainly appreciate your time today. And by chance that we have someone listening or visiting Washington anytime soon, tell us a little bit more about where people can go to visit you or find you guys online. Yeah, you can go to uh, www.swanstrailfarms.com and um, that has all the information. And then we're, we're, we're really willing to I mean, if there's any farmers that, you know, we're part of associations that share with other, actually I've been to Iowa. Uh, there's, um, uh, center, uh, Cedar Grove over there that, uh, I've gone to and I've, I've visited over there a lot and, uh, they've got some really great entertainment places, but, um, yeah, uh, over, uh, the website would be the best way to, um, to contact us and, and, and I'd be happy to talk to anybody. Fantastic. Well, Nate, thank you so much again for joining us today. Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, you guys are awesome. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the call. Thanks again there to Nate for coming on and chatting with us. I am excited, of course, that it's fall. I think I've said that probably a thousand times by now, but it's one of my favorite seasons or it is my favorite season. So I'm going to have to make my way out to a pumpkin patch here soon. Oh, yes. Me too, Ashton. This is the perfect time of year to do that. Unless you are married to a farmer, in which case they are not able to go with you except for rain days. And that's not really an ideal time to go. So I usually have to go with friends. But Definitely a good time of year to check out the pumpkin patch if you are not in the field, but I'm guessing most of our listeners are in the field. So we certainly appreciate you still tuning in with us while you're in the cab this harvest season. And we will do our best to stay on top of all the latest happenings in agriculture, since I know your uh, brains are focused on the field this week and the next couple of weeks to come. Well, Delaney, if they want to tune in from the cab, they can do so at agnewsdaily.com or wherever they get their podcasts. So folks, be sure to do so this harvest season. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.